Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everybody. It's me, Amber. I'm back. Um... So I wanted to do a podcast today because one of my goals coming back from my rather lengthy maternity leave was to get more involved in my social media presence. I'm really fortunate to have a thriving practice in San Antonio. If you need a nutritionist, hit me up. Um, And I love what I do. I work with a lot of clients and that takes up a lot of my time. And so um, I tend to get really bogged down and busy with that because I'm still a one-woman show over there, Um, although that may be changing in the nearish future. But one thing that I consistently put to the back burner is making podcasts and videos and um, Instagramming and all the things that you need to do as a modern um, business owner to kind of keep yourself in the public eye. And so one of my goals as I'm coming back from my maternity leave is to do more of that. So I'm working on getting my Instagram back running. Uh, found out that while I was um, on maternity leave here, uh, my account was disabled for some reason. I don't know. It's those of you who own businesses in nutrition probably know all about this. It's getting really ridiculously difficult to promote your nutrition content on any social media platform because there's this um, this thing where they don't want you to say the words weight loss. So that makes it really tough when you know, you're a nutritionist because a big portion of your business comes from people looking for weight loss. And of course, as a functional nutritionist, I do so much more than that, and I'm really not primarily even interested in weight loss, but it, is, it does come along with the territory of being a nutritionist. So it's a little frustrating to have to always navigate those different rules and regulations of social media. So apparently while I was gone... Um, you know, that happened. So I'm working on that, getting that buck up and running. And um, anyway, with that came the thought that I really need to start doing my podcast again, because I really enjoyed this part of my practice. And I've got uh, a little bit more free time on my hands now, in some ways. Uh, So for those of you who used to listen to me, and those of you who are new to me and my life. I'm going to talk a little bit about myself and what's been going on with me the last, um, gosh, year, I think it's been since I've actually uploaded a new podcast. So um, those of you who've listened to me know that I am a functional nutritionist in San Antonio, Texas. I'm a certified nutrition specialist. So that's my primary business. And I've been doing that now. I've, I've had a 
real practice now for about five years, and I've been doing nutrition a little bit longer than that in different ways, but uh, that's how long I've been in my physical practice in San Antonio. I love doing that. And uh, I also specialize in fertility, and um, particularly infertility issues like PCOS is one of my favorites to work with because I also have PCOS. And so uh, that, autoimmune conditions is my other specialty. And then I work with other things nutrition related. But pertaining to the fertility stuff, as a woman with PCOS, I've dealt with a lot of challenges in my life because of that that I've had to overcome. So at a young age, I had cancer when I was 25. And because of that, we weren't able to take a traditional route to having children. So um, a couple years ago, around my 30th birthday, we decided we were going to go ahead and pursue uh, fertility treatments. So last year, um, actually the year before last, time really goes by. Um, The year before last, we... (laughs) My husband's over there laughing at me. The year before last, we started the process of IVF. And we're going through that. And we were able to um, get pregnant in March of last year. And so last year, I was building... I actually moved my practice to a different location. And at the same time, was getting ever more and more pregnant. And so, you know, those of you who have been pregnant know, it makes you pretty tired. And that was about all I could handle. And so uh, podcast went on the back burner. But what's happened with me since then is that I was pregnant and I gave birth. I actually had my baby um, a couple months early because of some complications, um, dealing with my hormonal balance and things like that. Um, because of PCOS. So he was born a couple months early at 30 weeks, which was um, difficult to say the least. He was in the NICU for about a month. And so, you know, all of this, all these clients that I had started working with, fortunately I was tapering off with that to take a nice maternity leave, um, which I'm, you know, lucky to be able to do owning my own business. But I still had some people that had started working with me and we were hoping to get some more time in before the baby was here, but he had other plans. So um, my focus and shift in life, as I knew it would, went completely into the direction of my home and family. And so I have spent the last um, several months home with my baby. I did get back to seeing clients uh, earlier this year in March. And then, as we all know, the coronavirus hit. So What's interesting about the coronavirus is I had been following it since December uh, when it was just over in Asia, and I'm fascinated by pandemics, always have been, and so I found it really interesting, and I had a little inkling that, you know, this, um, it might be worse than what uh, they were kind of making it out to be at the beginning there, and here we are. So as soon as I started seeing clients in person again, of course, there was, um, I'm in San Antonio, and so there was a stay-at-home order, and stopped doing that, and started going straight to video with everybody, and so I've been keeping up with my clients via that. I did go back into practice uh, for about the last month, but things are getting a little dicey here in South Texas again, and so I am not in the office as of right now anymore. So 
Anyway, with that said, even though I do have an eight-month-old baby, I have a little bit more time on my hands at home, um, and so I figured, hey, let's get the podcast game up and running again, and let's get this Instagram situation figured out and whatnot. So um, what I kind of wanted to talk about today, really I just wanted this to be an informal catch-up on my life and what's going on with me. Um, I can't understand why, but there are a lot of you out there who are interested in uh, me as a person, and I thank you for that. Um, but so for those of you who are wondering what's been up with Amber, where has she been? Um, I've been caring for a baby. He's adorable. His name's Calvin, and he is eight months old, turned eight months old on Father's Day. He's about 20 pounds, so I'm getting really strong. And I like carrying him around. He's very healthy, happy, um, does all the little things that a six-month-old adjusted baby should, so he's on track and all that. Um, Right now he's taking a nap, which, you know, we appreciate. So one thing that's been really more difficult than I expected Uh, Some of y'all are going to laugh at me for this. So, you know, as a nutritionist, I feel like I sort of know it all when it comes to nutrition. How do I say that in a better way? So I feel like I have a lot of knowledge, and I do. I have a lot of knowledge about nutrition. I know the mechanics of how nutrition works, how to do the math for people, metabolic rates, and then I have a deeper knowledge of functional nutrition, which goes into the root of disease and disorder and what's going on in a person. I am not perfect. Um, I don't know where a lot of these nutrition kind of people get off pretending like they're perfect and they eat salads all the time because I know a lot of nutritionists, and none of us do that. Um, But I'm not perfect, but I do my best to live a healthy lifestyle, to stay fit, to stay healthy, um, and to be a good example for especially my women with PCOS who I work with, that, you know, even though you have some genetic stuff working against you, you also are not... um, in any way chained to that or bound by that. You have to work within the confines of that to some extent, but you can live an absolutely healthy, um, fit life. That's really important to me. And that's been important to me since I discovered how wonderful nutrition can make you feel back in um, like 2012 was when I really started getting into nutrition. So that's always been really important to me. Um, throughout my adult life, but one thing I didn't I didn't account for was how difficult it would be to get back to that after a major uh, stressful time. So, particularly after a long pregnancy, uh, difficult pregnancy, and a lot of weight gain. So. What I wanted to do today, and I'm going to write a blog post about this. Hopefully, my goal is that I'll be back to my pre-baby weight in the next couple of months. I'm sort of 
you know, playing it by ear because as you get closer, things slow down, you know. Um, but I'm going to write a blog post once I get there and I'm going to be really vulnerable and honest and show you before and after pictures and, you know, what a real, what it realistically looks like to get back to your pre-baby weight. Um, and all that stuff, especially for my women with PCOS or with other metabolic issues, because I don't think that we have good role models for that in our society. So I'm going to do that once I get there. I'm holding off because I want it to be a little bit more dramatic, you know, can't blame me for that. But I wanted to talk today about what that's been like for me, and hopefully some of you will... um, empathize with that and um, identify with that and it'll hopefully make you feel a little bit better that at least you know that a functional nutritionist who literally makes her living off of giving people nutrition advice has uh, struggled with this so you know pre-calvin i didn't have um, i thought i had a lot of sympathy for people losing uh, weight after pregnancy i did not understand what I was talking about. So now I do. I have a much better understanding. And I'll caveat that by saying that I've just had the one, and he will probably be my only one. Um, So I can't uh, speak to what it's like to lose after two or three children, um, especially if they come right in a row or anything like that. And I know from working with women with those issues that that is much more difficult than just the one. Um, But I can speak to my experience of having the one. And What I will say is that I had every intention in the world, uh, particularly during pregnancy, of eating really healthy and staying on the kind of healthy lifestyle that I um, was already on. I was in really uh, good shape for me before we started fertility treatments and um, had been working, uh, diligently working out with my personal trainer, Nancy Flater who's awesome. Um, And so I had gotten to a really good place there. Um, I was probably more fit than I had ever been in my life and um, felt really good, was eating really well. When we started the IVF process, the... I stuck with my nutrition uh, for the most part. You know, I did use food as a comfort some sometimes, but I stuck with it pretty well and I kept with my workout schedule. Um, but first of all, that experience, the hormonal input that you go through with IVF or other fertility treatments is real. It really does affect your ability to maintain your weight. And so um, you put on a lot of extra water. Um, it becomes difficult to maintain your weight. The stress of it on your body, I think, is part of it. Um, it's emotionally stressful. It's physically stressful. You're putting your body through a lot. You're basically, especially if you're doing an egg retrieval for IVF, you're basically trying to have your body produce enough eggs for you know, multiple menstrual cycles all at once. Um, and that's incredibly stressful. It takes a lot of input from your body to do that. And so it was difficult to, you know, I started putting on a little bit of weight from the fertility treatments. Okay, I figured, you know, no big deal. That's fine. That's kind of what I signed up for. Then when I did get pregnant, so we got pregnant the second round. Um, So we did one egg retrieval, one transfer that was not successful. And then our second transfer was successful. And so I got pregnant and that's my baby Calvin. 
And as I was pregnant, I had all these intentions of being really diligent with my nutrition. And, you know, I figured, hey, I've got, you know, I'm working part time. I've got all this time on my hands. There's no way that I will um, not do well with this. And the first trimester passed and I did, you know, fairly well. I was sick, so I couldn't do everything that I thought I would. You know, food had a different taste to me. Um, Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. It made me feel differently than it ever had before. I had to snack more than I ever had before. I'm not really a snacker. I like to eat three substantial meals a day and not much else. Um, sometimes even just two big meals a day. I don't really like to snack in between meals or after dinner or anything like that. So I had to, because of the nausea, start snacking more. Um, I had this impression before I was pregnant that when you are nauseous during pregnancy, it's because your blood sugar is too low. And so my advice to women had always been, okay, you need to, you know, um, eat more foods with protein, things like that. So I was really diligent about taking that advice for myself. And I will say that I had a much easier time with the nausea than a lot of women. I don't know, though, if that was just because um, of me or if it was because of how I was eating couldn't say because everybody's different and I definitely don't want to place blame on somebody who has really um, strong nausea. There's also evidence that the stronger your nausea during pregnancy, the stronger the pregnancy. So, you know, there's some benefits to having more nausea. There's some sort of biological reason for that. But I did find that I would I would have to keep, uh, what, I, what I did was I kept protein shakes um, in a cooler by my bed. And every morning I would wake up about 5 a.m. with nausea and I just wake up and chug a protein shake and then go back to sleep. So um, and that helped a lot. So the the advice that you always get is, you know, eat some saltines before, you know, right when you wake up. That's silly. So you need some protein. So protein shakes are great because I understand completely that eating the thought of eating protein does not sound good to you when you're nauseous. Um but that's what helps the most because it kind of it calms everything down. It satiates you. So I would have a protein shake in the morning and then I did a lot of like um, I had a lot of I kept RX bars and Lara bars and different things like that in my purse so that if the um, nausea struck, I could just grab a few bites of something really quick. So I had to start doing that and that kind of threw me off. And then what I found is that as I approached the second trimester, my taste buds changed so much and all of a sudden... I was craving, like strongly craving food that I had not really eaten much of in years. So I had come to a really good place with my diet and nutrition where, you know, I mean, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I got to go get some Chick-fil-A, you know, but it would be, you know, maybe once a week or even less than that. It definitely wasn't something that I did regularly when I was pregnant. All I wanted, seriously, all I wanted was chicken sandwiches from Chick-fil-A. 
Um, and Pop-Tarts. And Cherry Pop-Tarts. He's reminding me. Cherry Pop-Tarts. And I'm not kidding. That was that was it. Everything else was like, okay, I'll eat it. But I did not want it. And I had to force myself to eat it. So, and the other thing that happened, which was really devastating to me, um, because I had been big. Like, I'm a big, I love um, juicing. I'm big on that. That helps me maintain my weight to, to do, like, smoothies and juicing and things like that. And, and get more nutrient density. Because I've never been huge on on salads. I like my vegetables more cooked. So I'm able to get more raw vegetables if I do smoothies and things like that. And that's always been really successful for me. Um, and I used to, I work right down the street from Whole Foods. So I used to go there in the mornings and get myself, you know, a smoothie or a juice or something. And that would, you know, be great for my breakfast. Well, that stuff started to become totally disgusting to me. If it was a vegetable, I don't care if it was cooked, raw. I don't care what vegetable it was. If it was a vegetable, I did not want it anywhere near me. It grossed me out, like physically made me nauseous. So that, as a nutritionist, became very difficult because it was like on the one hand, I was struggling so much hormonally. I wanted to honor my body and its cravings. At the same time, I wanted to eat healthy for the baby and for me. I didn't want to gain too much weight. I didn't want to overdo it. It was a lot of stress. And there were days when I just thought, you know what? I have gone through so much to have this baby. Um, the financial investment was major. The physical investment was major. I mean, I still have nerve damage in my back from all of the injections that I had to do. The mental and emotional dichotomy that was going on with me during pregnancy was super real. The investment financially, physically, um, emotionally, the stress, it was all so much. This is something that, you know, we had been building to since I was uh, in my early 20s was when I was diagnosed with PCOS. So I knew it was going to be difficult. And then when I had cancer when I was 25 and we realized that we were going to have to do IVF at some point, you know, this is something that I had been preparing for uh, emotionally, but I didn't expect how difficult the pregnancy would be. And so I had some issues with the pregnancy probably due to the fact that I don't make enough progesterone, which is something that I've always dealt with and one of the reasons behind why I um, why I had cancer when I was younger. So the lack of progesterone made, uh, paired with the fact that it was an IVF pregnancy, and there's, you know, lots of research on IVF pregnancies, you know, more commonly the babies being preemies and um, there being difficulties with the lining and things like that because it is in some ways artificial. And so uh, I had a lot of issues during the pregnancy that made life difficult for me. I didn't feel good um, most of the pregnancy. The nausea went away, but I was exhausted the entire time. Um, on top of that, some other issues meant that I was on I was placed on bed rest for the majority of the pregnancy. Bed rest and pelvic rest. So um, there was not much happening in my life. Um, I had to stop working out, which was a huge mood booster for me. 
at that point in time, I was working out with Nancy twice a week and then doing, you know, we would hike and we would walk and we would do all the things that I tell my clients to do. And I really enjoyed that part of my life. And I had to stop that completely and basically sit on the couch. You know, if I wasn't in my office with clients, then I was at home on the couch and um, I, you know, got to the point where I couldn't sleep well because, of course, my muscles were in a bad place. Anyway, I'm not talking about all this to complain. It sounds very whiny and complainy, but just to say that it was a difficult nine, I'm oh, sorry, seven months because I was not, I did not finish out the pregnancy to nine months. Um, but because of the bed rest portion of it, I think the stress of that made uh, eating well more difficult. So by the time that uh, I did go into labor. I just went into spontaneous labor one day in October. Um, they kept me in the hospital for four days so that I could get the steroid shots and things for the baby. And then I gave birth on October 21st uh, at 3.39 in the afternoon. Um, but because of how difficult the pregnancy was, I had already gained... Um, the last time I had checked, I had gained 37 pounds. So um, I gained just about as much as I had wanted to, you know, potentially gain throughout the entire pregnancy anyway. So I knew that I was going to have a lot of work to do. When the baby came, of course, I don't think anyone will blame me for this. I was emotionally distraught. I was not in the best place. My good friend um, and fellow nutritionist, Gabby, uh, Rivera offered to help with some of my clients and she saw a lot of them um, for me. I, to be quite frank, I don't even know what was happening during that time. She actually stepped in. Um, she just kind of told me, hey, I'm going to take care of your clients for you for a while until you can come back to it. And she just went and did it. And so I, she was great about not telling me what was going on or anything because I just couldn't handle it right then. So um, those of you who went through that experience, you know, thank you for being patient with me um, during that. But she was great. She stepped in and she helped me a lot, make sure that my clients got to a good place before, you know, I went on my official maternity leave like we had been planning for. And during that time at the hospital, um, about... 10 pounds or so came off pretty easily, you know, just from the birth and everything. And after that, I pretty much stagnated. So what I found was that because of the excess weight that I was carrying, my insulin resistance, which is always a factor for me with PCOS, got substantially worse during that time. And of course, it could have been a buildup from the months of pregnancy and not eating super well all the time. Um, but I'm th the way that it, it felt to me was that that time in the NICU, because that was when I really was not, that was when all eating well really went out the window. So previous to that, during the pregnancy, I was trying to still eat as well as I could within, you know, what I could stomach. Um, when the baby was born, all that went out the window. And partially that went out the window because of the whole breastfeeding deal. So 
this could be a lot of these different topics that we're going through right now could be whole podcasts in and of themselves. And I very well may do that because I get a lot of questions from my women, especially my women who, you know, I've worked with from pre-pregnancy through pregnancy and then post-pregnancy with PCOS. I get a lot of questions from them about what's normal for a woman with PCOS to experience because, you know, you have this whole group of women who are quote unquote normal and they have their experience of having a baby and have, you know, breastfeeding and all that. And then you have the PCOS woman and her experience. And it's always different woman to woman, but there are some things that tend to kind of go hand in hand with PCOS that I think aren't talked about enough. So I will probably do a separate podcast on this, but suffice it to say that the advice that you get from other women, um, from other groups on breastfeeding, it, uh, and maintaining a milk supply is not applicable to PCOS. And I learned that the hard way myself. So um, because my son was in the NICU, I had to exclusively pump. Um, when he was about 34 weeks gestation, we were able to start trying breastfeeding. But at that point, um, it was a little bit like it just wasn't going to happen. So I exclusively pumped like they tell you to, every two hours, man, I was up in the middle of the night. I was exhausted. Um, and it was just, you know, the milk just would not come in, would not come in. Finally, it started to, about five days in, I started to get more. And that was exciting. And it, it built over the next week. Um, and then it just started to sort of taper off um, and, and stay the same. It wasn't that I was dropping. It was that I wasn't, I couldn't get more. And I was, I joined an exclusive pumpers group and, um, you know, I, I got a lot of advice from different women. Um, and some of the biggest advice that I got was, and from the lactation consultant too, was pump as much as possible. So do power pumping, um, do pump every two hours, uh, pump during times when you don't make very much so that you'll stimulate more production. What I was told was it's all about supply and demand. So the more that you pump, then your body will catch up. And I did find that if I would pump a lot, um, then, you know, if I'd have... I'd, it would catch up in a few days. So it usually took a few days for you to notice it, but it would catch up. But there came a point close to the end of his NICU stay when I just could not, no matter how, what I did, it would not go any higher. Um, so I gave him what I could. And, um, you know, there were no problems with him. He could, we tried breastfeeding everything. He could breastfeed just fine. But it was, the problem was with my supply. It just no matter what I did, I couldn't get it um where I wanted it to, uh, where it needed to be to feed him completely. And um, so I gave him what I could. And of course, everybody was really sweet to me. um, But it was hugely emotional for me because um, when it came to my son, you know, I love him more than my own life. So of course, I wanted him to have everything that he needed. I wanted him to have every opportunity in the world and of course I already felt guilty that he was born early and felt a little bit like it was my fault um and then on top of that to not really be able to produce enough to feed him was was devastating um that was some of the hardest times of my life and I kept it uh to myself as much as I could Mm -hmm. because 
Um, most people didn't want to hear about my milk supply issues, but that was all I would think about. I mean, I was consumed with it. So the advice that I would get was drink these body armor drinks. You've probably heard this stuff. Drink Gatorade. Drink. You need to eat a lot of calories because you need to have so many calories in there that your body feels safe to make milk and all kinds of different advice. Um, some of it more helpful than others. What I can say is that I started realizing uh, close to the end of the NICU stay that the consistently high amounts of calories that I was taking in to try to soothe my body into making enough milk were actually, I think, detrimental to my milk supply because the insulin resistance that that was causing was so severe that, um, and if you read about like diabetic women, they often struggle with breastfeeding because of insulin resistance. So there was definitely something happening there. And that was something because I was such a higher weight than I had ever been that I, you know, I felt clouded in my judgment of it. I was thinking of my body the way that my body responded pre-pregnancy to, you know, more sugar and carbs and things like that. And I had gotten to a place where my insulin balance was was pretty good. It was under control. And I could have, you know, occasionally I could have things like that that were... Um, higher in carbs and it wouldn't really um, affect my insulin balance too bad as long as it wasn't excessive. But I found that I was much more sensitive to sugar and carbs and things like that um, postpartum. And it was affecting my milk supply. So actually, you know, who knows if I would have taken my own advice that I would have given myself to, you know, eat really well and um, not worry about taking too many extra calories, but maybe work on trying to um, let a little bit slowly, very slowly, slowly, slowly let the weight drop off, um, if that would have helped. I don't know. It may not have, but I do know that I did harm to my own health, to my emotional health, to everything by, first of all, placing such a huge pressure on myself to make that work when it just wasn't in the cards. And also um, by really letting my body take the brunt of of that. So um, I found that by the end of the NICU stay, I had actually put on a couple more pounds. You know, so it was like, okay, this is getting scary because um, one good thing about being a nutritionist is that it's a big motivator for um, being healthy and looking a certain way because you know, I take it very seriously that my clients look to me as a role model. And so I don't want to be perceived as somebody that doesn't practice what I preach, if that makes sense. So uh, that started to get scary when I, I had only dropped, you know, I had gained close to 40 pounds, had dropped 10, started gaining that 10 back. That was getting very scary. So um, at that point, we finally got to take him home, you know, started getting more sleep. All those things started clearing up. Um, eventually, I, um, when he was about three months old, I stopped doing any pumping and things like that. And my, um, my emotional health got a lot better after that point. And at that point, I could look at things a little bit more clearly. So there's something that happens to you when you're in the breastfeeding. I call it breastfeeding fog. It's a hormonal... Um, 
it's a hormonal thing that's happening, but you're very focused. You can be very focused on that to the expense of you and your own health and your own wellness um, because you're so concerned about your milk supply for your baby. And what I just had to let go of was this, you know, this need to be perfect, this need to to provide this fantastic, you know, liquid gold um, any longer than I could. So at three months, I felt like I had given him everything that I could. I my mental health had suffered enough. My um, sleep had suffered enough, and I needed to let that go. And so my new thing became finding the um, healthiest, most natural, most close to breast milk formula that I could. And probiotics and all the different things that you can um, that you can do for an infant. So I am, f- and now he's eating organic baby food. So we're, um, you know, we're beyond that now. But I, if any of you are going through that, um, I just want to say that, you know, I just want to, I, I, I always appreciate people who are really honest. Um, honesty is the absolute most important thing to me in life. Um, and so I feel like I do have this position of a little bit of people look to me as an authority figure on nutrition. People look to me for an, as an authority figure on health and I take that seriously. And so I want to be honest with you. Um, I really resent it when I see people pretending that these things are a lot easier than they really are, that all it is, is about discipline. Um, I'm a pretty disciplined person. I think my family would attest that if I set my mind on something, um, I almost always achieve it and I don't stop until it's done. So I don't think I am the type of person that has a lot of problems with discipline, but it's so much more complex than discipline. And that's true with any kind of nutrition. I mean, that's true if you're dealing with an autoimmune disorder. That disorder can cloud your judgment. And so um, there's just a lot more complexity to health and nutrition and wellness than gets talked about by a lot of these um, influencer types. So that's why I wanted to, partially why I wanted to do this podcast and update everyone on what's been going on in my life because um, I don't want people to think I'm totally perfect and that I have it all figured out. But I also want them to see that even though I haven't been perfect and I don't have it all figured out, that um, it is possible to get there. It's possible to get back to where you were before. And so, you know, I'm still a work in progress. I am about uh, 10 pounds from my um, pre-pregnancy weight at the moment. And it's coming off slow, guys, slower than I would like. I could make it come off faster, but um, I'm tired. I have a baby and a practice. And I'm working on trying to restore some of the nutrient density that I lost over the last year. So... It's one of those things that um, I think balance is really important with any weight loss um, protocol. Taking care of not just the weight, but also your health and also your muscle mass and also your um, mental health and all that stuff. I think that's all for today. So I'm going to try to get this up on 
the internet for everyone and uh, I made a video with this too so for reasons unknown to me I've been told that it helps with a podcast to also have a video and people will want to watch you talk to your camera on YouTube it and get it um, podcast just like the radio to me so um, I would want to hear it not see it I'm not really doing much interesting here but I guess you might want to see my facial expressions or my cool glasses thank you guys so much for listening to me and putting up with my rambling all right I will talk to you soon goodbye <laughs> if you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend if this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want, and I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time, and I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.